This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Focus on that one while this other one comes around the corner and just murders the rest of your uh, family. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, they do that. So good. Just just, just like an Imperial, just jump straight to the war crimes. (laughs) I mean, it's in their name. Well, hey, I mean, it was Luke and Leia. Yeah. (laughs) Death, Death Troopers. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, we're not going to bother with the soldiers. They're not. Yeah. They're not life troopers. They're not. They're That's not true. peace troopers. They're not Geneva Convention troopers. <laughs> Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion, hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Welcome back to another episode of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Mike Berry, along with my co-hosts, who have already been introduced on our really sweet intro. Um, so, how are you guys doing today? I'm all right. I've been battling a, a lung infection, so Ugh. good as I can be. Nice. But I'm here. Okay. Well, hopefully it doesn't hurt you too bad to talk a ton today. No, it won't. No, nah, throat's Okay. I have an inhaler mm-hmm. now, though. We've actually got our uh, man behind the glass here as well, because he's got some things to talk about. How you doing, Jay? Hello. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for unmuting my mic for this episode. I appreciate it. You're welcome. As your overlord, uh, just know that this is only temporary. <laughs> right. And if I get out of line, I, I get the stick. Yes. I yes. got it. That's how this relationship <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> benevolent overlord benevolent because i'm the overlord of the situation um so i think we've got some housekeeping stuff to take care of um we've got a really cool event the northeast open coming up uh jay you're the master and commander of that event you can talk about it way better than i can do you want to kind of uh pipe that a little bit Sure. Uh, Yeah, so Northeast Open, this is our Syracuse event that we have been talking about and talking about and talking about, and uh, it's finally on its way. And uh, you know what? It's going to be awesome. Uh, We've got a number of people that are signed up already, and I think you should register soon uh, because it's going to be amazing. And I know that we've only like really announced some of the last place stuff, second to last place, last place get mats. Whoever brings the jankiest list is going to get the golden T47 award. Uh, but so everybody knows each one of you, whoever comes to this is going to get, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a swag bag and we're going to be giving out something to everyone. So, you, you know, uh, I teased it on our episode last week, but I'll tease it on your episode. We are giving out order tokens that are specific to this event and, and an order token bag, as well as some other uh, swag that'll just be just for showing up. So, you know, that's your money's worth right there, actually. Uh, if you look at the price of, you know, how much tokens are and, you know, how much the Discord tokens cost and all that stuff. So that'll be that'll be your cost of admission right there. They'll be the nice ceramic ones too, I think, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and it's going to be, so that's July uh, 6th and 7th in Syracuse, New York. You can register at thefifthtrooper.com. Go to the top, go to Northeast Open. Highly recommend you guys register soon because it's starting to 
people are starting to fill up those spots. So if you want in, if you're planning on coming up, you got to register. Now, just to be absolutely clear, Jay, these tokens are not available anywhere else. No. Uh, so no, unlike uh, other events, we won't be selling these or anything afterwards. So you can only get them at the event. Or if we have a surplus, like if we have some people drop or something and we have some extra, we may just give them away for free you know, uh, it's like a giveaway or something, but you won't be able to purchase them. So it's only at the Northeast open or a special giveaway that you'll be able to give them. All right. So sign up and come get yours in uh, Syracuse on July 6th and 7th. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, for those of you, I know a lot of people have asked me, yeah, the Comic-Con is there. We're going to be at the Comic-Con. So there's going to be a ton of stuff for families to do. So if you want to bring your families up for 4th of July weekend, we got the Syracuse Mets, which are the, you know, the AAA team for the New York Mets. And actually, you could come see Tim Tebow play. Uh, he's playing on. <laughs> yeah, I watched him Sunday, man. He's really good. And, I just didn't know he still existed. Is all. Yeah, he does. He plays <laughs> for the fine. Mets. Yeah. Wow. Right well, Syracuse. He plays so, for the Mets uh, farm system. Yeah. Yeah. But still, yeah, you get to watch him play. So they, you know, they got a game Friday night and Saturday night uh, after, you know, the Legion event on Saturday. So you could go catch a baseball game with the family. There's going to be fireworks all weekend because of 4th of July. There's going to be a full on carnival at the Comic Con, which is going to be crazy. So it's just going to be uh, it's going to be insane. I'm stoked. So excited. It's going to be great. And lots of fun things to do over there. And all, all four of us are yeah. going to be there. It'll be a great time. Yep. That's right. Plus, uh, plus Evan and Nick from from my podcast. Uh, Brendan, our high marshal, who's pretty much high marshaling every event ever created for Legion ever. He'll he'll be there. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of the other personalities from you know from different podcasts and blogs and stuff will be there. You know, I think um, I want to do Saturday night since we're ending a little bit early. I think in the evening sometime I want to do like a meet and greet where we all meet up at like a a, a, a bar or a restaurant or something and, and get together and you guys can come say hi and, you know, ask us questions or just talk to us or whatever you guys want to do. Um, you know? This is kind of spur of the moment, but how do you feel about tel- sure. tellies for that? Because I want me some tenders. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. Wherever Dash wants to go, that's where we go. I that's am that. the overlord. That's how this yep. works. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He is all in right, charge. Right. Maybe maybe we'll go for Tully's tenders <laughs> afterwards. That'll be good. Um, Out of all the places in Syracuse. Look, man, those tenders are to die for. Every time I go back home, that's what I go get. Tully's tenders right, every time. All right, we get it. Okay. Good lord. Good. Yeah, Tully's tenders. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> the Toy hey, Scoundrels brought to you by hey, man, by Tully. Tully. <laughs> <laughs> Free advertising. All can right. we send them an invoice after after this? Yeah, can we just they might pay it. We'll just build them. <laughs> they are like a sports bar type deal. Legion sort of like a I don't know tabletop sport. No. So hey man, mm. don't be doubting. This is what we do. <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there. It, it is ridiculous. You you do have to get tenders. We gotta get these guys salt potatoes. We got this is a whole. I got a whole uh, dossier of foods that I'm gonna have to stuff your mouths with. So we'll get there. 
not not a, not a list, not a notebook, a dossier. Dossier. Yeah, that's right. That's I would have right. gone with I would have gone with smorgasbord, but that's okay. Hey, whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today? Yeah, let's come back and come in the weeds here. <laughs> weeds. <laughs> there's a, there's food here, right. not weeds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some. Uh, <laughs> Some games and tournament results uh, since last episode. Um, I personally haven't actually played a game since last episode. How, how about you guys? Uh, I can't remember if my first Elam's game for Invader was before last episode or afterwards, but I played. That was my most recent game. And you? I've been vacillating between uh, Wookies and. Some other other lists like Leia, crazy Leia spam lists with don't, that don't have Luke at all. So I've had some fun with those. those now, great. are they crazy because they don't have Luke, or are they crazy because they're Leia spam lists? But they're just they're just stuff people don't remember how to fight anymore, like fleets with strict orders, or like uh, rotaries, or um, I'm trying flame RTs in my next one. Look yeah. out! Ooh, flame RTs. Hey, I love me some flame RTs, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, just just can we talk for a minute about how good strict orders is? Why not? Yeah. Just generally, because I'm glad you brought it up because it it's one of the cards that I thought was like maybe not. It was like okay to not great, and I think it's a lot better than I give it credit for. Um, how, how's it been working out in your games? Well, there's two like two or three scenarios where I think it's best. And number one, I think, is anytime you have a unit that is on the panic threshold, strict orders guarantees you won't panic because you have the ability to just remove the suppression that would have put you over threshold. Um, the other use that I found for it is when you have units that desperately want an action that might get shot that don't start the turn suppressed then you can guarantee that you yank instead of um, relying on the randomness to get those units into their second action. And the third scenario, kind of an edge case, um, and something that I haven't, I've, I've pulled off only one time. You take a Leia's three pip, which gives you um, the ability to do two activations in a row, and you chain that together with her Inspire 2 on a unit that's been buried. So you activate Leia, Inspire, do Leia's thing, and then that unit activates and pulls a third suppression automatically. Because if you have strict, so it's just a way to sort of unbury a unit like instantly, um, with that strict orders combo. Um, and Leia's card typically is pretty slow, and it kind of gets around like the problem with Inspire, because the game is an I go you go. You'll inspire someone, and then your opponent gets to activate, and they shoot them anyway, so they have another suppression on them. But this kind of gets around that issue, and strict can get around that generally if that if that uh, they only get shot one time, you get the same effect. So those are like the three scenarios that I found that are super useful, just on Leia specifically and, and Leia spam. But I mean, you could apply it to any number of scenarios. Um, you know, anytime you have a lot of face-ups, so like, you know, Entire Legion, um, uh, Luke Skywalker with 3-pip with the extra suppression removal in addition to strict orders. Um, there's all kinds of good places you could use that card. Yeah, and it's actually um, like if you're running a coordinated fire build for Empire. It's really solid in, in that situation because your core units are getting orders yeah. anyway. Uh, and it basically prevents them from being suppressed to lose that aim action to, to build aim tokens. So uh, I've, I've, used, I've used it in that context, at least in round robin for Invader. 
Yeah, and I mean it's it's custom. It seems like, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it was custom built for Krennic and Death Troopers, right? Like you put strict orders with Compel on Krennic, and then the Death Troopers being able to pull, you know, a, a suppression off themselves when they get issued an order. It's it's just really yeah, it, it makes it pretty hard to stack suppression on your Death Troopers because they're pulling up to suppression every turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three, right? Just or discipline one. Discipline one. Um, yeah, IRG or discipline mm-hmm. two. But yeah, and then compel, you know, compel with some other units. I mean, and the strict orders so that you can get the compel. I mean, it's just so it's just so good. You know. I, mean, I feel like the higher the lower the courage, the better it is though, because you're trying to get the um you're trying to go from two from uh either two to one to prevent panic or one to zero to restore actions. But I guess it depends on context more than just you know how much courage it has. Like for example, if you have a commander who's on the verge of panic, then it doesn't matter, you know, how many they have. You could just guarantee that you don't panic, even if you lose an action. Yeah, yeah. And you still have that. For like if you. you've got Luke on on like six suppression tokens, you definitely just rip one off. I think. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I think the I don't know the one hundred percent chance well, you not panic versus like you're still like high high likelihood that you're still only getting one action. Right. And that's exactly the situation that happened to me. Well, the one time I remembered to do it, the other time I got burned and decided to roll it and failed it. And I was like, oh my God, I could have just stricted it and I would have been safe. But um, yeah, it's it's really clutch when you are up against it, say against, you know, saboteurs and then Krennic plays Annihilation Looms on five and you suddenly have four suppression on your entire freaking army. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the ideology that... um. Kyle, you had been talking about, I think, in one of our previous episodes and one of your articles about, like, managing risk, right? So, like, Strict Orders takes the die roll out of the picture, so you don't have to worry about chance being a thing anymore. And just being able to have that ability is huge. So, yeah, generally speaking, like you guys were saying, um, the lower the courage value and the, and the less tokens you have, the more effective it is. Um, and actually, one of the many things up on um, the site uh, SDB Legion odds is um, suppression tables, which will tell you like what your chances of given uh, clearing a given number of suppression based on how many tokens you have. So, for example, if you have two suppression tokens, you've got a you know roughly fifty five percent chance to clear one token. Um, if you have um, three tokens, you've got like a seventy something percent chance to clear at least one token. So, um, it's good to know those numbers, but it also means like with strict orders, you know, if you've got just one suppression on a courage one unit, um, you've only got a one in three chance, 33% to clear that token. Whereas if you apply strict orders to them, obviously you have a hundred percent chance to clear that one token. So, um, that's why it's especially good with, you know, with, uh, cards like coordinated fire and covering fire where you're giving orders to core units anyway. Um, and they're the ones that benefit from it most. But it also works great on like Courage 2 Special Forces units that um, you generally want to have two actions like Death Troopers. Um, I think it's good on Biston Pathfinders because you actually don't want to stack a lot of suppression on on Biston since he needs to be able to recover. Um, so it allows you to take Duck and Cover on them, you know, go up to two suppression when you get shot and then strict back down to one so that you can take that recover action and, and shoot with Biston. So... Um, it's definitely not like a use this in every build card, but if you've got a build that's well designed for it, it works pretty well. So, well, I think it opens up your options too in turn zero, like especially with hostile environment. 
So now you're not as nervous about taking, you know, a hostile environment is a lot more attractive if you're running strict orders, because then you, you have a little bit more of activation control in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Because you an extra way to remove suppression, you know, especially like if your dudes aren't in, yep. in base contact with terrain. So, um, yeah, the specific combo that I found for Leia in this case, you're just saying you don't take it in every list. Well, here's a good example. I just wanted to offer the example I found. Basically, it's Leia Chewy, and you have like extra man fleets who, you know, have a notoriously hard time getting into range. So, generally speaking, you'll probably be okay if you have a, a heavy cover place to park them. They'll take a shot, maybe. But the idea is you have Chewy back there to sort of soak it up and then strict there to remove the suppression, like without any sort of random element in there. And then they just go for it. They have their full actions to just fire away or fire and run. So that's just how I'm using it. So I mean, you can find any any number of combinations exist in the game that you, enables you to get those uh, those otherwise, you know, fleets with no actions are just saddest things ever. They're just seventy eight points of what nothing. So. I found I found too like it's really good with helping you hold objectives late game as well. Where let's say I have a set of stormtroopers that are holding an objective, and I know they're going to end up having four suppression on them which would make them panic if they were within three of krennic or veers but now with strict orders i pull one off they're not going to panic they still get an action and they're going to hold that objective through their through their activation yep the the one major limitation of strict as it relates to core units is that typically you're not giving orders to core units but um like david said if you've got you know just leia chewy and then fleets on your three pip turns you know you've got an extra order to throw around um or also, if you're running uh, Krennic or Palpatine, you've got Entourage, which means that you have a free order, and then typically you have one or two extra orders to throw around on a given turn. So, yeah. Exactly. In, in my match, in my match, it was actually Leia Krennic, and I knew he was going to play Voracious, so I played Push instead and put face ups on both the fleets, and then he just shot me once, Chewy guarding it off, and it just did nothing to me. Plus, I saved my one pip for the turns where he doesn't yeah. have Voracious. That was yeah, if you can call the the voracious ambition play um, and just essentially concede initiative, you can get it back later. It's <laughs> if you I've had this happen yep. playing uh, as Krennic. Um, like if you get in a cycle where you're basically losing initiative to cunning every single turn, like that's real bad because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are probably like it's, dead. It's, 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 it's very possible that it happens that you know. You play your one pip, he plays his one pip. You play your two pip, he plays his yeah. two pip. You play your three pip, he plays his three pip. And every single time you lose to Cunning. Um, that's not a cycle you want to be in. You lose to Cunning because yep. DTs are outrunning really, you, probably. It's, right. It's the biggest reason. Speaking of... DTs should go first. Yeah. Speaking of DTs and Krennic, Jay, I think we have some talking to do. Yeah. Because I believe you went up to a tournament in Rochester this weekend that was labeled as an RPQ. Not only was it labeled as one, it was one. So, oh, look at that! And and you won. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really good tournament. Um, we had you know we had a bunch of the local guys, but then we also had Stevens from the Discord drove up from Maryland. Uh, one of uh, one of the other guys from Discord, I think it's Stacy eighty two or whatever. He's from uh, Michael. He's from Pennsylvania. He drove up for it. Plus, we had a bunch of guys locally from Rochester, Buffalo, and Syracuse all come out, and so it was it was a really good turnout. Beautiful store. 
uh, Just Games out in Rochester. Amazing store. So it was that the turnout was great. The store was good. Competition was good. And yeah, I ultimately prevailed. Nice. So yeah, so it was good. What, uh, what list were you running? Yeah. So I, I actually, I was running, uh, Krennic Veers. Um, I had Veers naked. Krennic had strict orders. Then I had four, uh, stormtrooper DLT squads. Then I ran two death trooper squads. Um, they had the DLT Hunter, Recon Intel, and then the the config, the uh, Focus Fire config, or the other one there. And then uh, one of them had comms relay on it, and then I ran two snipers. So 10 activations altogether. Not going to lie. That sounds brutal. It, it is. It's, you know, it's one of those things where... Th- you know, I think with the three sniper lists, you get you get concerned with death troopers, right? Because they're going to be aiming at the death troopers. So with this list, you have a couple things going for you in that regard. Number one, the recon intel helps you get into positions of line of sight blocking with the death troopers for the most part, you know, if it's favorable terrain. And then with uh, Veer's and the the two snipers you know you're handing out aim tokens to the snipers and then generally you can get if you're lucky you can get a maximum firepower out try to delete one of the snipers and then keep your two snipers out of line of sight during turn one give them the aims and then pop them out when they've popped out their snipers and just kind of counter their snipers and it slows them down from really getting to the death troopers i i've found that that was has been my experience you you were not running a medic. No, no. Medics are for uh, for people who can't handle Legion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> spitting fire. You hear that, everybody? Uh. Medics are for people who can't handle Legion. <laughs> no, I think um, I, I I get why they're in the meta right now, and I understand, and it's super frustrating especially the medic sniper combo. So, I mean, I totally get it, but I find that a lot of people, and I I haven't played, you know, some of the higher level guys that that play the medics, but a lot of people, I find it's a wasted activation. Like you're, you're like wasting this whole unit in the backfield that could be making a push or doing something else for you. When, if you were playing, maybe, uh, you know, it's hard to play with snipers, but if you're playing a little bit better with snipers, that maybe that that unit could be doing something else. Dave, you look like you're in pain. What's going on? I'm 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 just I'm just blowing a gasket because like, who puts a medic on a naked squad? Put it on a damn DLT. It's a free action, and it's an extra wound. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I just like I get it. It's just tough, man. Like, and I mean, even um even the Astromex, right? Like, I find the same thing where. And and once again, maybe I, maybe there's somebody out there that's a genius with this stuff that I haven't seen yet. But it it just they seem like more of a I'm gonna follow the tank or the ATST, and I'm gonna sacrifice some ability at shooting in order to stay with the ATST or the or the snipers or what what have you. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, your DLTs range uh, for the the Astromech. I think is in kind of a unique situation because the thing that it's keeping alive is not super good. Gen- generally right. usually <laughs> i think the tank is a little bit of an yeah exception to i that, mean but, yeah. clearly the yeah. meta with the tank hasn't shook out yet um did you play any tanks this weekend jay 
I did not. I played an ATST. Uh, I did not play a tank, though. Somebody had a tank there. Uh, Stevens was running a Veers Boba tank list. Uh, I didn't. I didn't end up having to play him, but the tank is good. Um, the ATST is really good now with the with the pilot that surges to hits. Um, that really changes the ATST. Like the the hit ratio that it puts out now is is pretty pretty good. Um, but do you remember off the top uh, of your head what build he ran? with the atst yeah yeah i want to know yeah so it was uh it was actually evan uh it was nice yeah it was a generic commander uh he had the atst with the mortar uh and i think he ended up putting the grenade launcher on it too uh then he ran uh two astromech teams with dlts uh then he ran a medic uh stormtrooper team with a dlt and three snipers and then I want to say there was another like one or two stormtrooper DLTs in there. It was a pretty, okay. it's, it's a really yeah. tough list. That's uh, strong. Except for when it runs into death troopers, because they just destroy everything <laughs> that they look at because they're amazing. They're pretty good. And they're good. frankly, so I think the, the biggest thing your list has going for, for at least at face value is that death trooper redundancy is huge. Like, Yes. Um, if if they shoot at one of your one of your death trooper squads, and you're like, okay, well, the other squad's still going to waste you. Um, well, and I'm it, it's almost like I've you know I think the first few times I played the list and people started focusing on one of the death troopers and I started losing minis in that unit. I was like, oh no! But then the more I got to play, uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Focus on that one while this other one comes around the corner and just murders the rest of your. Uh, family (laughs) i mean yeah they do that so good this is just like an imperial just jump straight to the war crimes yeah yeah. it's in their name well hey i mean it was luke and leia yeah death (laughs) that's true we're not even gonna bother yeah they're not we're not gonna bother with the soldiers they're not they're not life troopers they're not they're not peace troopers they're not geneva convention troopers um but yeah you know i honestly so my my other list that i was running and i mean really since they came out i don't think i've had a list without the royal guard in them just uh with the electro staff just to you know for force users but i would say with two death troopers in your list like i don't know force users aren't that scary anymore when you're potentially throwing 10 to 12 dice at them uh you know with with <laughs> with everything with an with aim hunter token. yeah with hunter and an aim token it's it's and then it actually, you know, so you got two aims, 10 dice. It's like, okay, yep, you're going to take at least four to five wounds. Uh, deflect is it super is. scary when you're fired. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. Because I, um, I saw some of that. You're like in, in the territory with yeah. a Luke. Uh, and he, I think he ended up deflecting like one. It was a Luke with emergency stims and he ended up deflect. No, two, he deflected two. So I lost two minis, but I killed Luke in the, in my head. That was a win. Yeah. I'd say that's, yeah, a win. and it is. Yeah. Totally I can just see you hitting the cash like, register because that's, if, <laughs> that's exactly how I would feel. If you're deflecting into like a full death trooper shot, assuming that you have like heavy cover too you're probably deflecting like one on average yeah. and taking another wound or two. Sure. I, um, and I'm completely fine with that because I think what happens when you're running specifically when you're running two death trooper units is if they're, I, I kind of run them close to each other. 
so that they can double up on targets, you know, unless, unless it makes sense to do otherwise. But for the most part, I'm running them very close knit. So then like in that instance with Luke, I'm like, okay, I don't even care if you get three minis because my next death troopers are going to activate next and you don't have Luke yet, or maybe you do, but you're not going to get away. So we're just going to unload again into you with another unit of these guys. So death troopers are pretty good. They're they're really good and I'll argue with anyone who says otherwise. I think they're I I, I would think they're one of the best units in the game right now. As um, as yeah, no right kidding. now. Yeah. I yeah. can't. They have anything. Two courage, three up save, 10 dice. I mean, they're all ranges. They're they're the, they're, <laughs> the, they're the space marines of yeah. of legion yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the weapon combos are just nothing that we have really seen and and the combination of different stuff like like david just said at all the ranges is just ridiculous and and with you know and with with veers in there it's like it just gets even better um well, well let me let me walk that back seven dice at four yeah. with an exhaust seven dice at three and then like what do you roll if you roll the DLT and on all the other four dudes? So eight to so eleven at range yeah. two if you use that. And then what you do hours, sometimes but... is you swap out yeah. one of those minis. If you have it on the grenade launcher config, you just put one red in, so now it has blast. And then you hit <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous. So that is ten dice with <laughs> yeah. blast. <laughs> it's like fleet troopers wish they could hit that hard. Yeah, ever. I mean it's it's insane that their like range four attack is excellent. And they just get better as they get closer. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the really the way and and the only way you can counter them is from range. Right. So snipers are huge with them. And that's why in my list in particular, I like Veers in the list with two snipers. He really helps kind of, uh, uh, you know, stop that or, or slow it down. A little bit, you know, maybe not always stop it, depending on how deployment is for the, you know, the, your opponent's snipers, but. Right. You're just trying to punish your opponent for sniping your DTs, yeah. essentially. It's like, oh, you choose to shoot, you choose to shoot my DTs and now I choose to shoot your snipers. Right. right or if they, or if they choose to get into the sniper war early, then you're like, okay, I'm just going to move up my DTs. Like, no problem, guys. Yeah. You're like, you're like marvelous. I love this. I can, I can go where I need to go yeah. without worry. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the Death Troopers getting better as they get closer. I actually um, I just did an article on the round robin data from Invader. One of the most surprising things to me, I looked at faction win loss by um, objective deployment and condition. So it's a small sample size, but there were nine games uh, of Rebel vs. Empire where limited visibility was used. How many of those games would you guess Rebels won? I'm going to guess two. Two, yeah. <laughs> Did you read the article? Oh, just, really? Wow. I got it right? <laughs> really? Wow. I haven't even wow. read the article yet. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like whoever suggested that limited viz was good against DTs was wrong because it prevents your snipers from firing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's the thing, right? It's, it's, it's a catch-22. It lets, your, it lets yeah. your Lukes and Sabines get closer, but it means your snipers also can't pressure their death troopers, and death troopers still murder your range, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, like yeah. You, you took three snipers. Why are, why are 134 points of your snipers just useless with your windows? And also, with it, you yeah. know, with that too, with the with the way they work, and this, it took me a little bit to f- kind of figure this out and see it. 
it, and and Mike, actually, you helped me with this. Is that with the Death Troopers in the list, you 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 don't need Snow Troopers anymore because they are so powerful up close and far away. Like I kept thinking, no, but the Snow Troopers, you know, you can get three, arguably three actions out of them a turn, and I, you know, with Steady, and I'm like. Once, once, Dad, you know, Mike, you and I talked about it, and then I just went to the DLTs and then the two Death Troopers. I was like, oh yeah, you don't even, I don't even miss the Snow Troopers at all. Actually, I'm glad I don't have them in this list. Yeah, once, once you don't have to close to range one to do damage, you're like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, but yeah, not just, I, I want to just say this, it's kind of tooting my own horn, but, um, I was just so <laughs> happy with it. So at the RPQs, the one I was at, and I think they do it for all of them, but it's three rounds and then a top two, my top two game. I, I can't ever say this. That's the only time I'll ever be able to say it. So I'm just going to shout it from the rooftops. I, I played a perfect game. I've never done that before. Like from turn zero all the way through the end, like I, I didn't make a single mistake, so I was just really happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to break, break in my arm, break in my arm to pat myself on the back. Yeah, perfect game. OK, all right. Well, I mean, I, well, just because. OK, so for me, the reason I, I, I used to always struggle with turn mm -hmm. zero you know, making the decisions. I was, I had blue. I was at um, my, my list is at 792. So I have an eight point bid. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I picked the, the right board side. I, you know, uh, we used my cards. I, I got the cards I needed. It was, uh, we ended up with key positions with blue, uh, which was perfect because the, the, the middle favored my side. And then there's this big hunk of terrain between red side and my side. We had long March, which favored me even more. And, and we had hostile environment. And so like it, that I had the perfect layout and then my deployment was really good. And I generally, what happens with me is I'll rush, you know, like in the middle of the game, I'll, and I think a lot of people do this as you start deploying and then you see what your opponent's doing and you try to counter what they're doing instead of sticking with your original plan and you start to rush and put your units into, into positions they shouldn't be in. And I, I held that instinct back i guess and so i was i don't know i was just happy with myself that um i i've never been able to do that in a game i always make some sort of dumb mistake and so um i just i did, i'm gonna shout it from the rooftop i did it guys i did it it's the Good only job, one man. i'll ever have ever but that's I did not it. true that's not true you only get better you only get oh, yeah better. and now you get to go to uh uh worlds uh in I think it's at Adepticon, right? Which Has that been confirmed? Yes, uh, it's on the card that I got. Um, okay, and it says high command, so that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's just wrong. <laughs> twenty twenty high think, command. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's one. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think I think Worlds is called high command. I, yeah, check. I think I think it's basically just one event now. Yeah. Here's the yeah. here's the effed up part, uh, really, about this whole thing is that. Well, all of us who get the RPQs now, um, we have to keep that card safe because that's your only entry in, I think, is having Did that they, card with they your didn't name like, on it. They didn't like collect your email or anything? No. Oh, hmm. interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just a yeah, card with my name uh, in Sharpie. 
So, <laughs> hold on your golden yeah. uh, it's a little concerning, especially. I mean, it, it was, I was exhausted. Like, we didn't end up getting out of there till like 11, but like, he handed it to me and I, I, I put it away uh, in the token bag. And then for like five minutes, for like, not five minutes, but like five seconds, I was like, oh my God, what did I do with that card? <laughs> and then, but yeah, I was like freaking out because you lose that. I don't think you, you get in. That's interesting. Um, well, hopefully organized play will maybe clarify how this process is going to work this year. <laughs> but that'd be good. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Um, and then, you know, for anybody who's thinking about going like the the trophy for first place is super cool. And uh, there was, t- you know, the top eight got a, got uh, handouts and stuff. So price support was it was pretty, pretty OK for what it was, you know. Cool. Well, thanks. Excited for you. Hey, buddy. Uh, I want to. I want you to sign the Burger King crown <laughs> I gave you. So that was uh, my opponent player. Nick uh, and I. He, we we that was what we were most concerned about. We were playing for the crown, <laughs> so we put that on the side of the table. We're like, winner gets the crown. Can you but, like put that on display at the Northeast Open? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you, you got Good. it. Um, a Burger King crowd signed by Jason Lansky himself. Trying to, trying to think. <laughs> totally uh, you know, there's that. some neat lists there uh, overall. You know, so the the guy who played in the final two, he played a, a Luke. Nick Gardner is his name. He played a Luke uh, Jin list that uh, is it was really good. Um, he's really good with Jin, and so um, he actually, I believe he he played Stevens in round th- three. And then made it into the finals, and he just he has a really solid list with Jin, and and he just knows how to use her properly, which is, uh, not very uh, common, you know, with Jin. So, well, could could you explain what yeah, that looked like? Us? Because Jin is hot garbage. So, Jin um is good at tanking, and she's good at distracting uh your opponent's units. So if you if you don't like drop her stupidly into the open or just because she can infiltrate you know if you put her somewhere decent and then start walking her around it uh you know corners and like jumping basically jumping guys as they're coming around corners or uh using your you know the terrain and stuff to to continue to keep her from having heavy cover she's just a really good distraction like she doesn't delete a lot of units but she could put a lot of suppression on units she'll get rid of one mini usually with pierce uh but then she's just you know you start basically getting distracted and you start shooting into gin and she just she can just eat most of that and it you know what i mean so she's just a good kind of like tanking option for distraction i think so i guess uh, so yeah so i guess my the thing that i the way i feel about Jin is that like yeah the first couple times you play against her you shoot her a ton mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god she tanks and then there once you figure that out you're like okay i'm just not gonna shoot Jin, and then she doesn't do anything it's, my, it's I, been my experience i would say that's true uh it, i would say similar to like uh veers and krennic i think they're good late game 
units where like round five and six, you, you have two, you know, two units that have five or six health and you just go plop them on a position and you go, yep, this is mine now. Uh, where Jin is the same way. If you kind of can put her into a position where she can come in round five, even four, maybe depending on the time, but five or six and just hold an objective, uh, you're going to be hard pressed to get that objective away from her. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all true. Um, the last time that I, the last time that I fought her, I just punched her to death with Marvel Troopers. Yeah, that's... Like, that taunt was, the taunt was awful. Like, most gins don't take tenacity yep. to prop it up. So it's only generating two and a half hits average and unaimed because she wants to take the dodge. So all you gotta do is just tie her up in melee with the Rebel Troopers and dodge. And maybe she'll kill one. Maybe. Oh, let's yeah. back up. Why are you taking the dodge action with Jin? Uh, because you want to keep her alive, because she doesn't want to die in melee, because all of her danger sense is off when she's in melee. Doesn't doesn't she have a much better keyword for that? No. Uh, quick thinking. Oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> but well, I don't know. Man. It's 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 like, it's a valid point though, right? Like she is she's very weak in melee, and her damage generally is pretty poor. So you know, you either ignore her or you tie her up with something. You know, part of the problem is that in Rebel Mirrors, she's extremely weak to. The number one rebel unit, Luke yeah. Skywalker. So yeah, yeah. Um, See, I guess I saw it, it, more of like she's just a pain in the butt because if you do it where you're kind of popping in and out, and you're not just like full bore, it, it's a weird. Okay, so I guess we said tanking, but like tanking implies you're just running straight at enemy units, right? But like if you if you do it in a way where you're popping in and out of line of sight and cover and stuff, she's just like a thorn in your side and she's going to pop out and pierce some stuff. She's going to hold an objective. Like, I think that's the way you play her. And in his list, he has Luke and then all he had Z six squads with frag grenades and then three snipers. And so she's just a pain in the butt while the other stuff is moving up and, and going to start deleting some of your things. And she's, yeah, it's, that's, I didn't think it was going to be good, but it is. Because you just come up and you throw frags and hit them with a Z6 at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's a super powerful attack. It's just like when our rebel troopers ever range dead. one of anything. <laughs> and not dead. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. They couldn't ever get to range one because your death trooper should have just shot them. No, the <laughs> I would normally agree there. with you, except for depending on board state, right? Like sometimes they can get close and sometimes... Yeah. And, and if you can get them up there and get them in line of sight and enough cover uh they can hold an objective with those frags and when you try to take it with any other unit they're just like oh here's you know here's four to five frags and then a z6 at, at your face yeah i mean it does generate like six or seven hits which is pretty yeah. ridiculous um it's a death trooper shot. it's just a question of getting them there which, yeah which is great right it's just it's range one instead of range four right right um what was the terrain like, real quick? Um, before we actually, move on. the three. Let's see. So they had six tables. Three out of the six tables were really, really good. They had a lot of um, imperial trains stuff that they three D printed, and uh, so it was really good. Um, 
they set up the boards nice, uh, but then there's a couple boards that they had run out of like Star Wars terrain and they were using other ones. And so like one of my games was another, uh, I played I played two Rebel lists. Was, uh, it was a Wonder Twins list with Wookiees, two fleets, uh, two snipers, and then Z6. And it was like these uh, shipping crates, like a bunch of shipping crates. I saw that, man. Yeah. That, that map, I, I took one look at it and I was like, there's so much line of sight blocking terrain on this map. It's insane. So I played that against the fleet list on that map, which was really, really mm. tough. Mm. Uh, and that was actually that and my last the last game for the for the first place was were, were my two toughest games were against Rebels. And uh, but yeah, but what had happened was those containers were short. So you could see Luke Skywalker's uh, lightsaber over the top, and you could see the Wookiee's uh, thing over the top. So I was just like, oh, I'm going to shoot him now. <laughs> and then just deleted Luke Skywalker, and then deleted the Wookiees with, with the Death Troopers. <laughs> Some, no one told them, no one like gave the Wookiee leader the memo that putting your sword up over your head is just means you're a freaking lightning rod for yep. blaster fire. <laughs> No. Not only do your saves suck, guys, but everyone can shoot you always. Yeah, because your leader's like nine feet tall with his arm in there. But I'll <laughs> say, even with that, uh, we that game went to MOV, and because those his fleets were like it was the perfect board setup for his fleets, and they were just like they they come around a crate and just be like here's a ton of dice. See ya. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I imagine deploy the garrison was excellent. That game. yes, it was. Would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Stand by on that boy. So, hot. yeah, it Super was hot. it was fun. It was cool. I mean, I think, oh gosh, there was four lists that had vehicles in them. So I think vehicles are definitely the new hotness now. You know, I think we're gonna see more vehicles. Yeah, I think. I if, think the ATST with those that new pilot is super good too. Now, not not great, but much better if you're going to a tournament right now without impact i think you're probably making a poor choice uh, i would agree 100 percent with that yeah you yeah. need a little yeah, kind like, of ability i mean c6s are sort yeah. of like kind of impact but not really yeah totally very unreliable um, yeah. yeah tank has mercy yeah. on you for That's having true. such large sides yeah the side shots on the tank uh specifically they, the snipers they do work yeah, with Z's especially. Yep. Um, yeah, snipers, yeah. But ATSD, like, that's why I think the ATSD is a stronger vehicle. It is 50 points more expensive, roughly speaking, but still, like, you can get a lot out of it now with the Surge Pilot. You can get a lot of mileage. Um. So, we want to move on here to bullet point number two? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like we're talking about slow play and chess clocks today. Um, I hate the idea of chess clocks. All right, I'm gonna open there. <laughs> so do we oh, do boy. we want to put this in context a little bit? Um, is is that unnecessary? Sure. No, I mean I think let's put it in context. All right, so um, you know, LV owned Adepticon were a while ago, but there were. A not insignificant number of games uh, that did not play six turns in both situations. Um, it got a little bit better for Adapticon um, than it did for LVO because the round times were a little bit longer, but still, 
a lot of games not going to six turns. Um, I'm like a big proponent of, you know, game was meant to be played six turns and you got to do whatever you need to do to make sure that it is six turns. Um, you know, the units are balanced around a six turn game, right? Like one of the reasons that, that Vader gets uh, frowned upon is because he does most of his impact in the, in the later turns of the game because it takes him a while to get to the action, but then he's a high impact unit once he gets there. Um, just as an example. So, um, you know, and then in Invader League, actually, we also have, we now have a time limit on the games. Uh, and there were several games recently where um, uh, there were some very short games in terms of turn length. Um, and particularly in a way that seemed to benefit the player that was taking longer. Um, so usually when you when you refer to slow play, that's what you're talking about, right? Somebody that whether intentionally or not, is taking a long time and stands to benefit from the game not finishing. Um, so one of the ways to address that is chess clocks, which are always brought up as a solution. Um, the other way is just to either extend or remove time limits, but of course that doesn't necessarily fix completely fix the intentional slow play issue. Um, so I don't know, what do you guys think? Um... Why, why do you why do you hate chess clocks? I hate chess clocks just generally because I think they are intrusive. I think they are um, just kind of unwieldy in this format. Uh, like it's not like we're playing chess where you're taking one action on one action, like one one move, and and you swap it back. It's like okay, I'm gonna. You you hit your chess clock. I take a move. Um, like let's say I trigger a standby. Like if if I trigger the standby and you're decide, deciding it, like like is that during my turn? Is that during your turn? Um, I think there's just a lot of gray areas when it comes to this game that don't work super well for chess clocks. And the standby is just one example, but like, you know, when your opponent's rolling defense dice, you know, does, does that, is that your time or is that their time? Like if they take an extra 20 seconds to pick up their dice and, and do that, like whose time is that eating? Um, just little things like that, you know, can add up. And I don't think that we can accurately track time as well as we, think we can when it comes to this game in terms of who's using what time um i think it's i think it's very doable personally um 40k uses chess clocks and 40k has a lot more ambiguous situations than legion does you know like in the situations you describe defense dice uh using standby things like that you tap the clock right you roll your attack dice you tap the clock your defense your opponent rolls their defense dice they tap it back um, you know, put the chess clock right next to the dice tray. Um, there's a lot of tapping. It takes practice, but, you know, the only situations I can really think of, like where it's truly a question as to whose time should you use are like when you're choosing command cards, um, which is kind of shared time. I would say like, as soon as one person puts a card down on, on the table, they tap the clock. Um, you know, like in that instance, it, it's it seems like the the oh. question of whose time are we using at a given moment in the game seems like a solvable problem with some discussion and practice. Uh, so I sort of agree. So I guess like let me bring up the the um, standby situation again, right? 
So, um, you you move your unit, right? And you're on the clock. So, does your opponent then have to tell you to, like, do, do they have to click the clock for you to tell you that it's not your turn anymore? Even though they haven't, even though they don't know that they're going to do it or not. Um, I mean, I think you have to decide whether or not you're going to do it, and your opponent moves their unit. Like you've got a window to decide, and that window's not very long. Yeah. See, things uh, like that, I think is it's kind of like I don't know. That that's kind of a feel bad. I think on both sides of the coin. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. There's there's a little bit of good with the bad, and you have to be constantly communicating with your opponent, which you tend to do anyway. Like if if your opponent has a standby on the table, you're generally going to be aware that they have that standby, and if you're moving within range of it, you're going to be aware that there's a chance they might want to use it. Um, so as you're moving your units, you know, say I'm moving into standby range, right? Do you want to use it? Like as you're, you know, it takes a few seconds to pick dudes up and put the movement tool down. Um, so I think. You know, like anything else, it's a, it's a situation that's solvable by reasonable people. Maybe we're making too many assumptions that people will be reasonable, but... Yeah, um, I mean, to that end, I also am, like, just, like, a big proponent of, like, if if there are two people are playing that know the game, there's no reason they should need a chess clock. They should be able to finish in six turns within the two-hour and 15-minute time limit. Like, no questions asked. Um, I agree. Agree generally, um, but you know, like the recent Invader situations have highlighted, um, you know, these are uh, in in both of these games that I'm referencing here. Um, the players are all very experienced Legion players, and like there was one situation where where a move shoot with a stormtrooper unit took seven minutes. Yeah, um, I mean, so I think I feel strongly that those situations, and specifically in games like Invader situations where. Um, there are active people watching the games, like players that take seven minutes on a stormtrooper move and shoot should be issued a warning, hands down, no questions asked. That's unacceptable. So, at what point, like, suppose you're the other player and your opponent seems to be taking a while doing it. Obviously, you can't quantify a seven-minute interaction, no. like in the moment. Sure, it feels like it's taking a while. Um, at what point is it okay to be like, I want to call a judge? Because I think you're slow playing. I think the second that you start thinking about it, and then you think about it again, like, it, so like, if they, if you think about it once, and it's, even if it's like a couple turns before, if, if the fact that you're thinking about it is a thing, and then you like, let it go away, and you think about it again, like, that should be it. You should just call a judge. You should just get See, them to, involved. To me, like, you know, chess clocks remove kind of the awkwardness and confrontation around those kind of situations. Because, like, if you if you want to take seven minutes to move shoot at stormtrooper unit, and you got a chess clock and you're eating your time, fine. You know, like there's a completely objective measure uh, for how long that's going to take you. It's the clock, and when you run out of time, there's a clear consequence. Um, your opponent doesn't have to say anything. They don't have to initiate a conflict with you. They don't have to call a judge. It's just it's there. Um, you know, it removes because right now I think there's understandably a lot of awkwardness around calling someone on slow play, because you're instantly changing the dynamic of a game when you say, "I need you to hurry up." I think you're slow playing. Um, I want to call a judge. Like that completely changes the social dynamic of a game, um, and I think that is rendered essentially unnecessary if you use chess clocks. 
Well, I mean, I think that we need to be able to have a decent conversation about it, right? Like, we, you can't be like, hey, I think you're slow playing, right? Like, that's not that's not how you need to talk about it. You need to be like, hey, this is taking a while. I'm going to call a judge over just so that we can, like, make sure we move the game along. And I think that if you pose it in the correct manner, it's a non-issue, and your opponent should understand. Especially if we're playing at a tournament level. Like, it's... I mean, like, having a judge come over and watch your game shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I agree. It's just, you know, a lot of people are understandably conflict-averse, especially when it comes to things like, you know, I'm calling a judge on you for X, right? Like, this goes back to, should you have to watch your opponent's hands, and should you have to watch their components? Um, should you have to think about how long they're taking? Uh, you know, I'd much rather be focusing on the moves that I'm making um, and what's going on in the game than all the other stuff. I think that those are all fair points. I just really don't like chess clocks. <laughs> I mean, we're we're looking at this from a few different angles, right? Like, I think from what I can tell, right, the primary issue is fairness. Right. At what point does your opponent using excessive calculation time impact your ability to win the game or your ability to play the game, you know, effectively, essentially? So, I mean, all the points that Kyle mentioned about there being a neutral arbiter called the clock um, for these sorts of things, they're all right on the money. Um, but I think the community as a whole, the competitive community specifically, uh, if they were to adopt this thing, we would have to accept on mass that speed is a skill, and um, you can now list build with the clock in mind to avoid spending clock too much, and then put your opponent in a time crisis because your list is simpler to execute than theirs. So there's like a a macro level you know concern that I have with that, but otherwise I think it might be ultimately a positive thing. Uh, I've been in several awkward situations where I thought my opponent was slow playing me, um, especially with Palpatine, because um, basically I needed him to get his now you will die underway so I could do the rest of the game without that, you know, hanging over my head. And here he is, you know, calculating forever and ever. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it does it just removes the awkwardness, in my opinion, just the awkwardness. And like you say, Kyle, it changes the dynamic of the game when you call someone out for it. Um, we sort of we immediately move away from fun to, you know, hey, you're trying to get one over on me conflict level of interaction. Um, and so I, I guess, you know, if we want to keep the competition uh, fun and lighthearted, which I think we're all interested in doing, um, then we need the neutral arbiter. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, don't get me wrong, I would much rather have a situation where you finish six turns and you're not playing with a clock. Um, but in a tournament yeah. setting where you have a limited amount of time in the day, it's sort of a necessary evil potentially if you want to guarantee that games finish six turns, which I think should be the goal. Um, but, you know, in an ideal situation, you do like three hour rounds uh, and you do two days of a tournament. Um, I would much rather do that, you know, get to like have fun with my opponent a little bit, have a beer, uh, delivered to my table. Um, is that going to be a thing at, at at Neo Jay? Because that sounds like that should be a thing. Beer delivery. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. It's like, 
I'm sure we could make it a thing. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's the ticket. <laughs> right, let's do it. As your overlord, so sure yes, it's going to be a thing. A yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So on this topic of fun, you know, because uh, that seems to be like a recurring thing of chess clocks, I actually think that um, chess clocks are way less fun, and I think they take a lot of it out of it. All of a sudden, you're like, oh man, I'm on the clock. I have to do this thing. I have to tap the clock. I have to like, I have to play quickly, more quickly than I would normally have to, even if I were to like play at a normal pace and be able to finish within a six hour game. Uh, no, six hours. Um, a six round game, right? Six hours. That's crazy. I love I, it. I still play every time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like six rounds in two two hours fifteen minutes. Like if I'm on the clock. I'm going to be automatically pressured to play quicker than I normally do. And I already finished, I already play quick enough to like finish a game within that interval. And I think that takes away the banter. It takes away the fun. Like, you know, you're, you're going to be more worried about the clock than, you know, having a good time with your opponent, I think. Yeah. I mean, it definitely ups the, like it on, on the, on the swinging pendulum of, competitive versus fun it definitely pushes it further to competitive yeah right now obviously those two things are not mutually exclusive absolutely um um but it certainly leaves less time for conversation yeah and and i guess what Um, i would like to say is i would rather have one game that's crappy and unsociable during the day than four games that are significantly less sociable than normal Yeah, and like I said, I think you know the ideal solution is just to do multi-day tournaments and have have longer rounds, three-hour rounds. Um, but personally, I think the yeah, uh, I think an incomplete game is not a, in my opinion, complete result. Um, and if you need to like create a way where where you're guaranteeing that games finish, it, it it's a necessary evil, in my opinion. I'm okay with less banter, frankly, because I think banter is an underhanded tactic. That's just my opinion. Well, it, <laughs> just my, it can be. I mean, that's, that's just that's like my fair. opinion. Man. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, so, some people, some people totally use that um, to kind of like distract you. I mean, I, I know that like there have been s- several games where I'll like try and like bait my opponent into making a really bad move. You know, I'm like, hey, man, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, or you should do that, you know, because I don't know. I like to I like the bluffing game. I like kind of like playing with people. That's just a thing I do. Um, well, I don't do that. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, get, I get that that's a thing. <laughs> that's like that's like the magic player in me that like wants to like bluff their hand and like bluff what they've got and like bluff what they're doing on the board. Oh. Um, but uh, so I kind of like just like the banter um yeah but legion isn't poker i mean is it i don't know well it is if I you're mean, it, it is, is if you're playing I, han <laughs> well that's true it is poker. i mean i think that there's we haven't talked about stuff like this a ton but i think there is a value in being able to put your units and positions in, in such a way that it is ambiguous as to what your next few moves are going to be 
you know, that is definitely, um, that's absolutely true. true. And so I think to that extent, it is significantly like poker and that you're, you can, to a certain extent, hide what your strategy is going to be for rounds four, five, and six in given circumstances. Um, and in those circumstances, I like to bluff people and bait them around <laughs> because, you know, um, you can choose not to listen to me. That's a choice that you can make. <laughs> no, I mean, you've, 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 you've hit upon something interesting that, that a rant <laughs> might be coming in the future on this is about making your opponents screw up so that you get into a defensive position. I mean, and just grind them down to nothing. Yep. That's just, like just imagine that the ATSD that. <laughs> that got way better has a megaphone on the side and the upgrade zero points. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, there there is a unit in Star Wars Legion uh, that has a ability with propaganda. Mm. Segway. Huh? Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> oh. oh, whoa! Oh, see what buddy. I did there? All right, yeah, guys, we're going to talk about Sabine Wren. <laughs> yeah, and her graffiti. <laughs> um, so I think we got the final spoiler last week, I guess it is. Now. Yeah, we um, got the actual like and... Sabine full preview article, with including the Electro Whip cord thing. Electro yeah. Whip, I think it's called the, right? Uh, yeah, Rebel Whip yeah, cord. kind of. Electro Grappling Line, I think. Electro Grappling it's... Line, that's it. Mm. It's, it's not Whip cord. Yeah, I'm gonna. No, nope. I'm not gonna say it's bad, but it's not whipcord. It's not remotely close to whipcord. All right, so here let's let's go into what it does and then talk about why it's not whipcord. Sure. Uh, so it is an action. It is not a free action, um, and it is an exhaustible card that uh, gives two immobilized tokens and two suppression tokens to a unit within range one. So the the end effect is the same as whipcord, which is a good effect, right? Like, well, it's it's not the same effect. It's close. Well, you 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 also don't have the disengage, which is a big piece right. of both right. Um, so, but the the immobilize and suppression is the same. Yes. Um, which is a good which is a good effect. Totally. Immobilize tokens are good, but yeah, it's there's a lot of key differences. One being, uh, you you don't get the the free disengage like you do with whipcord. Um, it is not a free action like Whipcord is, um, and it costs points. It's only five points, so it's a fairly minimal investment. But it's also a gear slot, which is something that you're using. You know, we'll talk about her loadout here in a minute. But it's something that you know, those are she's got two gear slots, but but they are uh, sort of like the four slots on Vader. You know, you you wish you had three <laughs> or four. Um, so it's it's not nothing. It's not it's not quote unquote free like a, in the sense that a command card is. No, I and you know, I think the five points that you play for this are the is the least. So that I think there are three main components that we need to think about when we're talking about the card. There's first, there's it's five points. I don't really think that's yeah. a big deal. It's pretty close to zero, um, mm-hmm. as far as like what you get for it. The second resource we need to talk yep. about is the gear slot that you brought up. There, it's very comp- yep. it's a very competitive slot on her um, because I think it stems recon and I think the, the shield, shield is also is in, in that, that slot, slot yeah. too. Yeah, um, and and the third thing, and I think the most important and most expensive portion of this is that it costs an action, and Sabine Wren is a Courage Two unit that is 
often suppressed and using Dauntless. Which means that um, if you are taking two actions, you are always moving and X. And if you are moving and grappling, you are not moving and swinging your Darksaber. Or shooting. Or, or shooting or whatever. Or whatever, you know? yeah. It, and and I think I think that that is a that is a huge cost to this card. I agree. Um, I'm smirking because I think your shooting's terrible, but that's just I don't. Me. I think it's I think it's <laughs> I know I know I know I, I get a lot of we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get it we'll get into that. Let's uh let's finish talking All about right. the cord and then talk about loadout and then we can sh- talk about All how right, not right, terrible right. shooting is. Um, so. <laughs> Um, yeah it's 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 kind of like a you know the situations where you're gonna need it are potentially great like she she does have a card that gives her free recover so conceivably she can use it twice without having to spend another action to recover um which is nice i do find at least so i've been uh playing around with her on tts um within luke sabine lists Mm -hmm. and i do find that Typically, I want to play that two pip, the graffiti token, early because it's, you know, at least in that particular build, um, it's a card where you're not giving Luke an order, and the best time to not give Luke an order is early. Um, can can we also talk about what like the effect on that card is way better if you play it on turn one as opposed to turn three or four because it's static. The, the and graffiti it's, yeah, token, it's static, and it stays yeah. the entire game. So if you're yep. you're generating way more value if you're placing that somewhere where your your units are getting value out of it from turns one through six as opposed to turns four through six, just as a minor aside right. to the Luke order deal. Right. Yep. So anyway, that's a long way of saying you're probably only using this thing once. Um, now that said, that might be a situation where you're rooting Luke in place if you're facing a mirror with Luke. Um, and might be a situation where you're rooting a core unit in place that needs to score, like on intercept or run away with a box or something. Um, like there are some very specific and critically important possible uses for it, uh, but it's also possible that you go the entire game and you never use it because she's spending her very precious actions doing all sorts of other things and it never comes up. For, for those unfamiliar with the slang, uh, rooting is short for entangling roots, which means rooting someone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. For those for those that yeah. didn't grow up playing World of Warcraft, yeah. like I think that we all did. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. It, it is five points worth of flexibility, f- for sure. Um, right, exactly. Yep. Is it... I don't know. So you want to talk about the things that it's competing with and the merits thereof? As far as the gear slots, the gear, the gear, gear slots, yeah. So we've got stims for starters on a five health, um, hundred what forty-five point unit with the dark saber. How much is she? Ish. Yeah. Well, even without dark saber, she's one twenty-five. Okay. So um, she's like she's like one fifty so. something after dark saber and stims, right? Right. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, you, you've got a hundred and fifty point unit that has five health um stems are a big deal you should take them um, yeah i think i think they're they're almost as mandatory on her as they are on luke yeah and and similarly it's like they're mandatory on boba like you yeah you don't leave home without them and i actually think as far as her gear slots go this is the one that's non-negotiable um 
agree. So, and I think it really comes down to you're fighting against recon intel and you're fighting against her shield, which I believe is 10 points. Is that how much it is? I don't know. Yeah. And I think, yeah, right. And I think based on at least what we think the shield does from this dream, um, I don't think that the shield is in consideration at all for one of those slots. I mean, it's a free block, which is nice, but you're flipping one of your defense dice to a block. It's not like an extra block. Yeah, and um, do you have to exhaust it? And it's exhaustible. Yeah. I, so, it, she's already it pretty defensible yeah. with nimble and Mandalorian armor. Yeah, it's it seems it seems not worth the 10 points and or the gear yeah. slot. Um, so really, you're talking about recon intel, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a reasonable argument. Like, tossing Whipcord on her for an extra three points over recon is fine. Um, I do think that recon is much better on her than it is on um, Luke or Boba, just for the fact that um, she's suppressed more often and that extra four inches of movement can really make a difference. Yeah, and it allows you to potentially grab the box on turn one on a lot of deployments. Yeah, there is also that. Um, being able to boba grab is huge. Though, yeah. I will say, I think that without whipcord, that also can be tough. Like, without, uh, a, without a free action whipcord, sometimes that is dicey. Oh, getting away? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, Especially if you're running up against, you know, Palpatine or... Uh, or Krennic, where they can, they're guaranteed to be able to win uh, priority on turn two if they want it. Yeah, um, I mean, but, like, yeah, but there, there are uses for it. You know, certainly if you're running up against a list that doesn't have that kind of auto priority win uh, ability, you know, potentially you can grab that box and get away with it, and then the, you know, then your opponent's chasing Sabine around the map, which is hard. yeah, it's it's not fun. <laughs> um, I, I've I've yeah. successfully done the box grab with Sabine a couple times now. It's it's excellent. It's um really hard to recover from that. Uh, I just I see what you did there. <laughs> um, I didn't even mean to do that, but sure. Uh, nice. <laughs> I'll take I'll take Beautiful. Where I can get him. Beautiful. Yep. Um, your your brain took over. That was good. But I just, I don't know. Um, I think it's five points that is often going to be wasted. It, when it's good, it's going to be it's going to be a slam dunk and it's going to win you the game. And when it's, and then when it's not that, it's going to yep. be terrible. Yeah, you're just, like, there's, there's a strong chance you go the entire game without using it a single time. Yeah. Which, you know, for something like that is probably fine. You know, it's... I think the yeah, it's only five points. Yeah, I think the gear slot is is a more uh, is a, is a bigger barrier to entry, so to speak, than the five points. Yeah, absolutely. The five points is like the like I was saying before, like the least expensive yep. portion of this. Um, right. It might as well be zero, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Is it? Um. Am I just? I'm just. This is. I haven't read the <laughs> rules lately, but can you put immobilize on vehicles? Is that a thing? Uh. So. The short answer is vehicle vehicles can be immobilized if the effect allows them to be. Um, both okay. the electro grappling line and whipcord uh, specify troopers. The, the target must okay, be a trooper. But like Palpatine gives out immobilized tokens, and he can target mm. vehicles. That's so, never came up. Okay. For me. You know, but people okay, also yeah. haven't played vehicles. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. conceivable. It's 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 okay. possible for vehicles to get immobilized tokens. I think specifically just with an L, you will die at the moment, but. Um, 
There's a possible update for the harpoon launcher. <laughs> yeah, right. Be. Never be seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of a tangent. No, I agree. I think I think the the whip for Sabine is is really really good. And my number one thought is like, wow, I can keep those pesky royal guards from charging my line so freely. If they if they want to try to get in my face, I can just go last and have Sabine walk up there and whip them and be like, no, you have to shoot your crappy pistols. You can't charge me. That's my favorite use for her so far. But I think against any melee like Luke, Wookiees, like basically saying, you know, I dare you to come close to me because you're going to be frozen potentially for two turns when I have a recovery in the tank. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how much it actually matters that this doesn't have disengage on it. Um, I've been kind of like going back and forth on this. So Boba needs to disengage because he sucks in melee. Um, but Sabine's got a lightsaber. Yeah, kind of. Um, I mean, it's it's a Pierce One lightsaber, but it's still, you know, very good in melee, especially if you if you run tenacity on her. Um, and potentially you could use it to like prevent a unit from withdrawing from Sabine, yeah, absolutely, right? Um because you can't withdraw if your speed zero. You can also use it if you're running Luke Sabine to prevent a unit from withdrawing from Luke. Um, so there are like some, I think like you said, when it's, when it's good, it's going to be great. Um, but you know, it's, it's a highly competitive slot for her, that gear slot. So, and it's a highly competitive uh, action yeah. for a character that really needs them. So, and if the shield ends up being good, it's, I. Uh... If the if the shield ends up being good, I think it's a no brainer that you don't take this, personally. Um, yeah, just because that's something you're almost always going to use. It's not like they're never going to shoot Sabine. Like she's she's a has you have to deal with peace on the board. You can't choose to not deal with Sabine, otherwise she's going to trash you. Right. Um, so let's, uh, what do you guys think about training upgrades for her? I think there's, I think there's basically uh, two upgrades that are competing for this slot. Endurance. endurance and tenacity. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think it's endurance and I don't think it's close. I agree. Um, yeah, tenacity is all right, but you know, uh, I, it's not, it doesn't do enough for her. Yeah. I mean, like. Yeah. When we were talking about her, I think before most units with training slots that are going to melee were like, you should just staple tenacity to them. Everything will be great. Yeah. Um, after playing with her a couple times, so, uh, she just gets suppressed so often. And I've had her panic a few times. Uh, I You stick endurance on her and be happy with your choices and continue. Yep. She, she's a bullet. She's a bullet yep. magnet. Yeah. So she needs that. And she's also, at least, so I've actually been sort of intentionally running the not Darksaber version to see if it's viable. Um, I think the answer is it is. Uh, but even when I was running the Darksaber version, I found that she was just not in melee that often anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even if you are running Darksaber, I think you're probably running it mostly for Dauntless and for the possibility that you might end up getting tied up in melee and, and want to not suck. Um, but I think you're, you're you know, I view it as you're paying 25 points for Dauntless with the Darksaber. Yeah, I, and, I think the, the lightsaber is just a bonus. Yeah, and if that's the case, then you really don't care that much about Tenacity. You you want to be shedding that suppression so that she's not losing actions. Um, and I think 
Yeah, that's why I'd, that's why I'd still take her, even if I thought her shooting sucked. I still wouldn't take Dark Saber if I had endurance and some reliable, semi reliable way to remove suppression. Like endurance plus strict is pretty darn good. Yep, and that's actually exactly what Kingsley's running for. Uh, actually, I think he is running tenacity, but he's running strict, um, and he's doing Leia Sabine, so he's got the inspired source there. Um, I, yep, he's got a Dark Saber too, I assume. Yep. Yep, Kingsley's got it. He knows his yeah. stuff. So the, you know the debate, the debate that's been raging on on the Discord is, uh, you know, if you're running Sabine, what's better, Luke Sabine or Leia Sabine? And I think that's an open question, which um, we can get to. But um, just as yeah. far as training upgrades, the answer is Leia Sabine because I don't know amazing. if that's objectively <laughs> true. I think it really depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, oh, I, I've really been I've been yes. enjoying Luke Sabine, um, but I can see the case for Leia Sabine. You know, then the question there is: Leia, is is Leia Sabine better than uh, Leia Luke? Or you could just take all three. Uh, no, 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 no. There's no. It's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, training. It's good, but it has it's good, but it has some yeah, problems. It's got it's got like, issues that I can see. Yeah. As as do all of these lists yeah. that we've outlined do. Does, okay, okay. In, in comparison sorry. to Wonder Twins, like as much I as mean, I say Empire is OP, I'm going to take a little pause here and say, yeah, Leia six Z three sniper is pretty busted, but it's the only thing we have. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we would love. Actually, I, so personally, so I wrote an article on basically on the subject, uh, not not necessarily intending to, just but that's what the data bore out for Invader League. Um, I think rebels are fine. Uh, I think I think their unit mix is boring, but I think that you know the rebel units that are good are still really good. Like Z sixes, snipers, Luke, Leia are still really good. Um, so there's a lot more Empire things that are also good, but uh, that doesn't mean that rebels should be getting stomped all the time. Anyway, that's a total. Uh, okay. Oh, no. Well, and <laughs> let me briefly say, and we're already on like an hour twenty minutes, so maybe we can save this for next week. But I have not yet decided what faction I'm playing for Worlds. Um, and I, troopers in a box outside. <laughs> well, and so, I would love for you guys to weigh in on that, but not today because that's like a twenty minute long discussion, probably. I, I have one shot at one fire across the bow. The fact that you haven't chosen already speaks volumes. Right. I mean, I've done this entire competitive season as Rebels, and I don't have any painted uh, Empire units at the moment. So, yes. That's that's all I'm <laughs> going to say. I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you. Um, but I did just glue all my, finish gluing all my Stormtroopers together. So, uh, Just roll a dice and be done with it already. Real men go <laughs> Real men go red. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of old Blizzard, yeah. right? Are we are we Starcrafting yeah. right now? Right. Like, let's, Apparently, should, let's should we talk about her command cards real quick? Um, I don't think we've got to go into super no, we don't elite detail. I I mean, explosions um, is good. Uh, yeah, yeah, explosions really is good. great. Um, so uh, usually, how I sequence them is um, I'll do like first turn uh, graffiti token. Uh, what's that one called? Symbol, symbol of rebellion. Um, yes, yeah, just to get it out there. Uh, and because it's a higher pip, so you're, you know, if your opponent plays a one pip, then you'll get to wait. Um, this is running. This is me running Luke Sabine. I think if you're running Luke Leia, you don't play that first turn. But, um, and then potentially she can double move into a turn two explosion setup because she's so dang fast. Um, and if not, you can then, you know, use your turn two and play Legacy Mandalore to do a turn three explosion setup. 
Um, and hopefully you have enough line of sight blocking terrain to do this without her getting pasted by death troopers. Um, and then like turn four through six, at least when I'm playing Luke Sabine, that's when I play, that's basically when I dive in then with Luke and I play all of Luke's cards. Um, you know, and by the time your opponent is done dealing with Luke and Sabine, you've still got five Z6 units and three snipers uh, in the backfield doing stuff. So I've found that to be pretty effective. But yeah, her command card timing, usually, at least in Luke Sabine, I kind of front load her cards and then I play Luke cards later. Um, that's how I've been doing it. That's not yeah. necessarily the wrong or right way to do it, but I do like to get explosions out there as quickly as possible because of how devastating it is if you land a good one. Yeah, and I mean, I think that uh, overall, uh, I think the 3-pip and the 2-pip, there's not really a ton to talk about. Like, they're generic cards that hand out tokens. They're like, give you a static buff. Um, but the 1-pip card, I mean, really, like, that's all it does. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's not more, anything crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, I agree. Yep. But I think Explosions also has, um, we haven't seen the territory where it's used as like a deterrent as opposed to an aggressive play. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think, or rather, I do think that it's right to use it as like a sab sometimes. I think that's okay. Um, yep. And yeah, I think not I nearly enough people do that right now. Well, and. A perfect example, right, is is the box grab situation. Like if you if you do that turn one, you know, do a last activation with her, grab the box. Turn two, you're going to want to play explosions because you need an order on her and you need to win priority. So you know, um, at this point, you've claimed the box, right? Throw your throw your mines down in the center. You're probably not going to hit anything with them on that turn. Um, take your free speed one to move away, and then take a speed three move away, and you're back where you started at the beginning of the game. So. It's like a better no time for sorrows wrapped in the one. Right, card. it's no time yeah, for sorrows yeah, with bombs. <laughs> um, it's really good. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's like a that's like a you know a token example of when you would not be yeah. using it in a way that's aggressive. Um, I mean, it's a free speed one move. Well, it's not free because you have to yeah. spend an action to put the bombs down. So it's really like you know putting bombs down plus a speed one move. It's, but well. Okay. Well, it's arm no, I mean, plus like, arm again plus free sweep one move. No, no. I mean, I mean, like if if all you need to do is go somewhere fast, you'll get more distance just taking two, three, yeah, speed three moves. No doubt. Um, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think you almost always want to still yeah, put the bombs there's down. There's value but, there that is tangible. Yep. Yep. Um. You try to pursue me, you walk into my charges. Yeah, Yeah. you know, and I mean, a lot of times, though, you know, if you're going to explosions, you know, if she's suppressed or something, you, like, Dauntless doesn't help you. Right. So... Yeah, because Dauntless has to be your first action. Right, so you you can't, like, throw the bombs down and then run away. So, um... I think there's a lot of times where explosions, you're like, man, I really don't want to stick my neck out there. So if you just kind of throw them in a more conservative spot, it's okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and there's actually, just speaking real quickly of being suppressed in explosions, there's one interaction uh, that's worth highlighting specifically, and that's when you're facing Krennic and Death Troopers. Um, You know, he can play a voracious ambition to win priority and suppress you before you can do anything with Sabine. Um, yep. that's when it's helpful to have strict orders or um, you know also your graffiti token down 
like when I'm running Gunslinger Sabine without Darksaber, and I I know that I don't have Dauntless as a safety valve, um, I try and keep Sabine within range of that graffiti token so that she's shedding even more suppression. Um, and we referenced those suppression numbers earlier. If you had like suppose that that, that happens and you get double suppressed uh, before she can activate, um, you know you've got a 71% chance with three dice to clear one suppression. So if you if she's close enough to her graffiti token, you've still got a 70-30 shot to clear one of those uh, two tokens and and get your full slate of actions. So that's another reason to throw a graffiti token down early. Um, so the builds that she's currently popular in, um, Luke Sabine and Leia Sabine probably primarily. Um, I don't think I've seen anything else with her. Uh, You're ignoring the bullet point I put in this document, Kyle. Oh, sorry. Should I? Okay. The, Oh, Luke Leia Sabine. Yeah, I know. We've talked about this before. I just, I think you're giving up. I think you're giving up too much. Uh, it's okay. We don't have to actually talk about it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, like, which one pip do you take? Which one pip do you cut? I think you take explosions and you take coordinated bombardment. I think Son of Skywalker is highly overvalued, generally. Uh, I think the fact that it's and, a one pip that gives Luke an order is, like, super important. So... I there's no doubt that there is value in a one pip order on Luke. However, um, in the Luke Sabine list, Luke is not a frontline commander, generally, or he shouldn't be, in my opinion. Or in the Luke Leia Sabine list, like I, I don't think I don't think you need him to be like sticking his neck out there. Um, uh, that's what Sabine's there for. Yeah, I know. I... But like, that's what Luke is really good at. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, if, In if my experience, he's table, terrible at that. Well, okay, not like not like recklessly. <laughs> um, but at some point, you need Luke to be lightsabering things for Luke to get his value back, or at least keeping units from a specific area of the table because he's going to lightsaber them. Yeah, um, the dodge tokens are perfectly fine to get him through one shot. No, I know, but. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't like not having essentially Luke ambush sure. in my hand um, personally. But maybe that's just the playstyle thing. Um, all right, we gotta we gotta wrap the shizzle up. Um, we yeah, we'll one small short nod, one small short nod to Han, Leia, Sabine, which I think we've talked about before on the show. But um, yeah, that's a thing too. And uh, you actually dropped mess for other things. Yeah, I think I think there your command card decisions are easier. Um, Much. You also have like one of the hottest command hands in the game possible, between like legacy and explosions, reckless diversion, and change of plans, and then no time for sorrows and coordinated bombardment. You have like yeah, it's so many good. It's, it's, there are, and you can still put five Z's and snipers behind it. It's really fun. Uh, my concern in that list generally is the panic situation on just because every all the heroes are courage too. But yeah. that, that's like the downside yeah. to not running yeah. Luke. Right? Build it out. You had to build it out in a very yeah. specific way. And yeah. it's it's actually like so. Another thing that I've experimented with in my Empire forays is Krennic, Bosk, Death Troopers. Like it's not at all difficult to throw six suppression down on something in the space of two activations. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, reptilian rampage plus entourage equals six suppression and two activations. So, um, yeah. Have fun with that, Rebels. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's why. <laughs> Prepare to be gate kept. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, well, we rambled a lot today. Yeah. It's fun though. We yeah. Sure did. I I enjoyed hearing from you, Jay, on your on your RPQ win. That was that was awesome. I'm sure you'll talk about it on your cast too, Jeez, but um. Yeah, we're... <laughs> no, well, thanks. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I noticed. Uh, no, I thanks for letting me talk about it. It was it was a great time, and um, I know it feels good to play again after we've been doing all the streaming and stuff. So it was it was just nice. Heavy is the head that wears the burger crown, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure is. Sweet. Well, um. I guess that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike. I'm Kyle. I'm David. Come on, Jay. I'm Jay. Here we go. Shalansky. Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.